Matt. Thanks for joining me today. I'm looking forward to chatting about our latest playbook, Reflecting Our Work Together. I think the title is somewhat foreboding, The Light at the End of the Tunnel, uh, all about invoice processing and the many speed bumps along the way. Thanks for making the time. No problem. Thank you for having me. So um, the light at the end of the tunnel, that can mean a lot of different things. Some, sometimes the light at the end of the tunnel is the CEO that's got the invoice sitting on his or her desk or in his or her inbox trying to uh, get an approval. And I'm, I guess I'm curious to start things by starting at the top. Uh, that can certainly be a source of friction, um, but changing the process sometimes is less about the process and changing the mindset. How big of an issue is that in the scheme of invoice processing, in your in your opinion? I think it's a I think it's a big issue. I think you know the, and I think it's a bigger issue for uh, the longer a company has been in business. I think the bigger the issue is, and so you have this um, you know kind of ingrained mindset that takes hold about how things are done, especially uh, how, you know, some back office processes are done. And uh, if, you know, there's not a, you know, extremely, extremely acute pain being felt and it's more kind of a, you know, soft, you know, soft dollar savings, or at least if it's viewed that way, um, it's, it's really hard to overcome kind of the inertia that exists in, you know, processes that have been built over time and, um, you know, things that have been done a certain way, uh, you know, dating back to times when there wasn't a better way to do it, uh, it, it becomes difficult to really kind of get folks to um, prioritize and make those, those, those process changes. I, I guess it doesn't really have to even be the CEO, but it can be, you know, an approver, and perhaps that's sure. a, a, a threshold <clears throat> issue or just an archaic process issue. It, it can also be very frustrating for the payee as well as the business folks who are trying to get things done and who may encounter delays because it's stuck on quote unquote someone's desk to to uh, to approve and sign how, how, how do you how do you get past that it, it because as you as you mentioned it it is more than than often a process issue yeah i think a lot of it is just um educating especially educating those key you know key decision makers the ceo the cfo uh, the controller, uh, and really, I, I talk about education from the perspective of you know, uh, you don't know what you don't know, right. and I think you know, in a lot of cases, uh, the decision makers don't know that there is a, a much better way, and don't realize what what kind of impact a a much better way uh, could have on both the uh, internal staff and the effectiveness and efficiency of internal staff, but also the health of their you know, their supplier relationships. And that's, you know, becoming more and more a, a big deal in terms of, uh, you know, kind of two-way ease of doing business that, you know, a supplier is easy to do business with, but that a customer is easy to do business with. And that, you know, manifests itself in many different ways uh, up to and including uh, potentially, you know, how things are priced from a goods and mm -hmm. service perspective. And, you know, suppliers know who the customers are that are easy to do business with. And they know the opposite, the ones that aren't easy to do business with. And you better believe that they factor that into their uh, equation when they're stepping back and looking at, you know, uh, a lot of things, but but really kind of the, the pricing strategy first and foremost. Don't you think that it's really a, a function of of control and, and wanting to make sure, I'm using air quotes, that, you know, invoices are appropriately approved by the right level and and 
maybe a distrust that if the process is changed, that some of that control is delegated away and things might things might get messed up. Yeah, I think that's definitely part of it. I think it kind of dates back to, you know, some of those, again, air quotes to use your term, old-fashioned mindsets around, right. you know, uh, you know, the invoices that are getting approved and the, and the checks that are being cut, uh, you know, for invoices being approved, you know, that that's, you know, that's money going out the door, right? That's, yep. you know, a, a, a CEO's mindset is, you know, I, I want to know, you know, I want to know every dollar theoretically that's right. going out the door. But what we try to, you know, what we try to educate our customers on is you can have, you can actually have more visibility uh, and, and be more effective in terms of managing the dollars going out the door through some of the, you know, newer solutions and the automated solutions that are available. So I'll often have that conversation with, you know, when I, when I hear there's the customer that's, you know, even customers that have decided to implement an, an, an automation solution or, or, or digital solution are still wanting to be, for example, the, the, the last line approver for every invoice. And, oh. you know, I'll, I'll have a very kind of frank conversation. I'll say, I, what, what exactly, and these are businesses that have scaled to, you know, degrees where a CEO can't possibly know right. uh, on, on every single purchase what is valid or what's not. So I'll often I'll ask, ask, you know, what, what is it that you're looking for when you're when you're right. these invoices? Are you, you know, you're looking at line items? Are you asking, you know, managers about specific purchases? And, and for the most part, they'll, you know, begrudgingly admit, you know, I'm just looking for something that doesn't seem right. And <laughs> that's about the extent of, you know, the analysis we're doing. And I'm like, you know, wouldn't it be much better if, um, you know, if you knew that, you know, this automated matching had taken place and you have the right processes yeah. on the front end in terms of purchase orders out, invoices in, and that you're only seeing the exceptions or you're only seeing the high dollar invoices where, right. you know, then you actually have time to, you know, digest it versus saying, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to approve, you know, 2000 invoices a month, uh, you know, just to find the one that might have an exception. I mean, the likelihood of that is, is, is not very high because, you know, you're from a pure volume perspective. So, I mean, that's the, you know, that's the kind of thinking that I think needs to be, you know, broken through and, uh, you know, kind of had a light shined on it because, you know, even in, in their own organizations, not a lot of people, whether it be, you know, managers or people in the accounts payable department, you know, they're, they're, they're only going to question the boss to a certain extent. Yeah, and if the boss says this is the way I want to do it, then they're going to say, okay, well, we need, we now need to build an entire process around this desire that our, our boss has about wanting to, you know, be that, that final gatekeeper. I would like to meet the CEO who has time to, uh, approve 2,000 invoices a month. Whew. Right, exactly. I mean, I mean that, that has to be someone. With, with any kind of, yeah, with any kind of, you know, depth of, yeah. you know, analysis. Yeah, just, nope. It's really, it's a, it's a rubber stamping process. And I guess, you know, once in a blue moon, they might catch something that doesn't look right. But yeah. I, I really find it hard to believe that, yeah. you know, there's really true value being derived from, from doing that. And when you add up all the time that um, is spent on, on the process itself, you know, the, the one time you might catch one in a blue moon, you know, you've probably offset that with, you know, the, the time lost and the cost and the overhead of the time spent uh, for that for that one yeah, mistake you that, might have caught. That, that just seems like a really bad way to spend a day. But, but, but to your point about volume, I think, you know, one of the things that we observed – which you know probably isn't isn't counterintuitive to you, but you know perhaps for some at first glance is those who are already efficient because they they've had to be efficient given the volume of invoices they're they're processing or more interested in being more efficient. So they're not satisfied with 
kind of the level of efficiency and innovation and automation they have today, they they want more. I guess it's because they've tasted um, the benefit yeah. of automation and they can see other things that they can allocate their time toward. But um, your thoughts on that? Yeah, so I think I think you've hit on the hit it on the head there in terms of you know once and we just we just had a couple of uh, you know things that we're, we'll we'll be able to turn in testimonials from our customers where um, you know they they were they were saying they they exceeded their original expectations they've gotten from ten processors down to four wow. you can only imagine you know what the impact of that is on an organization so then they start getting. You know, it's like anything, you know, we, we want more of a good thing, right? So they've tasted, yeah, the, right. they've tasted the success of that, and now they're like, okay, how do we do this in other areas of our business? How do we, how do we scale this uh, further, deeper, wider in our organization? Uh, and so I think that's, that's part of it. I also think that a, a lot of businesses, you know, that have made those investments and have realized those, those initial savings are also businesses that are, you know, likely uh, successful and are, you know, planning to grow going forward. So in a lot of cases, you know, it's not, it's not just dealing with the here and the now. It's mm-hmm. knowing that, you know, in the next six to 12 months, maybe that they're planning on um, growing revenue by 10, 15, 20% uh, that they might be doing an acquisition and they start to say, okay, we, we can't just be uh, satisfied with what we're doing today. We've got to be setting ourselves up to manage what we call manage the cost of growth, right? Mm-hmm. With, with, yeah. with growth. Uh, comes challenges and with growth comes overhead. And so, um, you know, we, we try to push our customers not to be victims of their own growth and say, okay, if this is what your growth growth plans are, you know, what what do you need to do to prepare for that so that you're not, you know, adding a dollar of overhead for every dollar of, of growth that you're, you're achieving? I, I think, you know, it's an interesting point, managing the cost of growth. And I think it, it also supports another finding, which is, it's it's not so much the cost of savings that's a driver for efficiency and automation. It really is this notion of we can be more efficient, we can reduce the time and the, the, the level of task detail that, that human beings need to be attached to. We can use processes to divert the time and attention of those people to other more value-added things. Yeah, absolutely, especially in this day and age of uh, you know the the power of data and the power of, of analytics of that data, you know you'd much rather have you know people spending time, you know analyzing you know really key information and really key data, purchasing behaviors, uh, payment cycle times, invoice cycle times, you know, and really coming up with you know very you know valuable strategic endeavors that can be pursued versus. Um, you know, spending time, you know, chasing down an invoice or figuring out why an invoice is sitting on an approver's desk or why it hasn't, you know, gotten paid or, or addressing the, the calls coming in from suppliers saying right. you're past due on an invoice. You know, none of that stuff is adding value, those types of activities versus you think about the power of, you know, having, you know, more data at your fingertips by, by using a solution that, you know, brings visibility and, and the ability to mine that data, but then also having the time um, to do that analysis and, and to really turn that data into real, you know, real information that can be uh, acted upon. I mean, that's, you know, that's two kind of uh, diametrically opposed things, you know, value-add versus non-value-added right. tasks. Matt, are you finding that buyers are more in tune to the, the needs of suppliers to have a more efficient process? I mean, e- even something as simple as visibility into when to when to accept or, or receive payment. I'm just curious to get your thoughts on 
how that may be starting to shift from the relationships and clients you work with? I think it's much more, um, you know, it's much more collaborative. Uh, I think that's probably the best way to describe it. So, you know, I think we've gone through eras where, um, you know, solutions and, and um, you know, concepts have been one-sided one way or the other. Right. So, you know, larger suppliers kind of, uh, you know, maybe jamming a process down a, a smaller customer's throat or vice versa, you know, a large customer, you know, jamming a process down a, a supplier's throat. And so it became this game of who has leverage, right? right. Uh, you know, one or the other, you know, one's the hammer, one's the nail. I think uh, more and more, I think the, the concept of understanding that, you know, if we can create a scenario where, you know, there's, there's ease of doing business from both parties, it, it, produces a, a healthier relationship and, you know, one that both parties can thrive off of versus, you know, one being the hammer, one being the nail. It's okay. How do we, how do we create a scenario where, you know, information is flowing bi-directionally uh, in an efficient manner, visibility of information in, in both directions. So, you know, as the, as the buyer, I want to know, okay, when I, when I transmit an order, I want to know that that order has been accepted. I want to know that, you know, when is it going to ship? When's it going to be delivered? Um, you know, so I take a lot of the guesswork out of that end of it. And then from the supply side, knowing, okay, once I've done my part, I've fulfilled the order, I've, I've, I've shipped to you the goods, um, you know, I've created an invoice and I've billed you. I want to know, you know, did you receive it? Are you, you know, have you approved it? Uh, when are you going to pay it? You know, so it's uh, all along the way that, um, you know, the, the leverage within a transaction life cycle changes on a, on a stage-by-stage basis where one party or the other you know, is in need of that information. Uh, and so trying to figure out those ways where uh, at each step in the process, one or one of the other parties providing visibility to the other uh, is, is something that keeps it, you know, really healthy and efficient for all parties. Because then you, then you eliminate the, the ping-ponging of phone calls right. and emails uh, along the way, which does nobody any good, uh, doesn't do either party any good if that's, if that's what's happening. The interesting thing that, that you know, I, th- I think one of the insights that we came came to in this particular um, aspect of our work together is that you know, so there's the there's the payments piece and digitizing payments, and then there's digitizing all the stuff that happens before a payment instruction is prepared, or an authorization to make a payment is is provided. And you know, as we've been talking, I mean, that's the stuff that kind of gets can, can get things really really bogged down. So, you know, a priority is to perhaps think about digitizing that process because payments can only move after all of that stuff has been has been addressed and the necessary approvals have happened and things have moved through the organization. I mean, it is it is definitely the cart before the horse. Absolutely, and I think you know the. <clears throat> I, I talk in terms of kind of B two C and B two B when it comes to payments, and I think, you know, that's where some of the mark has been missed. Um, you know, over time is, you know, a B two C transaction is 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 very different. It's kind yep. of here and now. Yep. Uh, I'm either standing and I'm either standing in front of you, having just you know bought something off the shelves of your store, or you know maybe your online store or whatever. But it's kind of a here and now, um, you know, kind of you know seamless. Uh, frictionless process where that doesn't involve a lot of um, back and forth versus, you know, when you get into a B2B transaction, it's it's a lot more complex and a lot of complexity has been built into the process over time. Unfortunately, uh, I think it'll eventually get less complex and, you know, kind of mimic more kind of the B2C space. But for the time being, you know, the amount of complexity that's been involved in terms of, 
you know, creating an order, issuing an order, receiving that order, invoicing it, is it the right price, you know, are the right business rules applied, are the right terms applied, um, you know, did the good or service meet my expectation, all that stuff has, has been built into these processes, mm-hmm. and so there's so much energy and effort that has to go on to make that front part of the transaction go well before you can even talk about, you know, yep. what's going to be the payment modality, what's going to be the payment timing, and so it has to be, in my view, a holistic view into, you know, the whole kind of source-to-pay process mm-hmm. and figuring out where optimization can take place at every step along the way uh, to then fully kind of get the, the best, uh, best result for both the buyer and the seller on the whole, whole source-to-pay continuum. Are, are you finding that, that uh, payables departments recognize this? I mean, certainly according to the study we did, they are and have, have prioritized that as a as an area of, of, of focus, um, but, but, you know, kind of man on the street stuff when you're talking to your clients and prospective clients, is there an appreciation for this now? I think there is. And I think a lot of that is coming from um, a lot more collaboration between mm-hmm. procurement and finance. Yep. Uh, so before you had situations where that, those are very siloed organizations uh, within a, within an organization. And so, you know, you had procurement doing what they do, you know, to kind of control the, you know, the upstream portion of the source-to-pay life cycle. So, you know, sourcing the supplier, negotiating pricing, negotiating terms, and then really kind of throwing it over the fence uh, to the, you know, the finance and payables group and saying, okay, here's what we've worked out. You know, you guys figure out how to, you know, how to, you know, pay these folks according to these terms. And you know, we're, we're on our way to the next thing. And so I think what, what businesses have realized is that when you get procurement and finance collaborating, mm-hmm. uh, then, you know, you can start to map a lot of this out on the front end of that relationship with a, with a key supplier to that, you know, so that, you know, things like, you know, how orders and invoices are going to be processed, how payments are going to be made, uh, all of that is, is intertwined and done in a very kind of holistic, strategic fashion. Uh, versus a piecemeal fashion or versus a, a situation where, you know, kind of payables is left holding the bag uh, for something that, you know, procurement set up uh, without a lot of, you know, procurement not intentionally trying to, you know, screw their payables buddies, but it's just, you know, they haven't, uh, you know, they don't have that same kind of understanding and visibility into, you know, what, what works and doesn't work on the back end. And so I think that collaboration is driving a lot more kind of end-to-end appreciation of what creates that ease of doing business uh, life cycle there. Yeah, I mean, th- th- there are these there are these black boxes where, you know, it's kind of like the black hole. You, you you find yourself in this vortex, and you know, at some point, someone emerges and says, "Oh, you forgot to do this," and then then you go back into the black hole and try to yeah. anticipate when 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 they might emerge and offer some additional information. But it, it it can be a very, as you point out, long process because of the silos and because of the nature of the task-oriented procurement folks and what the business folks really need to get done and what the payables organization needs to be responsive to. It's, a, it's, 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 yeah. it's, very, it's, very, it's very complicated. Um, is there a triggering event or is there some sort of a, of a, of a motivation that you're observing uh, aside from efficiency, aside from, you know, the, the, the normal course of, of, uh, of interest on the part of finance departments to be more efficient, to actually move in this direction? Does, does something happen inside of an organization that provides the light bulb, 
light bulb moment that says this is probably something we need to be thinking more about? Yeah, I find it the you know it's it's kind of the um, you know it's kind of the the envy or the competitive side of things that uh, that really drives it. So you know everybody you know I think our you know our networks become smaller and smaller right. over time, and people are very acutely aware of what their competitors are doing uh, in a given industry. And when I'm sitting there in my organization and I and I look at a competitor and um, you know, either maybe I hire somebody away from a competitor or I have some sort of intelligence into what a competitor is doing and I hear, you know, some of the, you know, maybe statistics in terms of how they're processing or, you know, what kind of automation they have in place. Immediately, you know, as a CEO, CFO, I'm sitting there saying, okay, well, I know we're not doing that. <laughs> I know we're not as efficient right. as they are. So now I'm sitting here with a, with a kind of a known competitive disadvantage and, mm. you know, that doesn't last very long, right? So as soon as you you know, you either hear about a specific solution that a competitor is using or, um, you know, again, some of the success that they're having, you know, that, that to me more than anything else drives, you know, ac action from somebody that says, I, I do not want to be, you know, fighting this battle with one hand tied behind my back and I want to be at least on a level playing field with my competitor uh, and certainly not, you know, certain not, you know, two, three, four steps behind. Interesting. I, I didn't realize that there was a, a competitive nature um, on the part of CFOs and and accounting folks inside of organizations to think about the competitive disadvantage of not being more automated. I think that's interesting, though. Um, I wouldn't have well, thought... Well, that and going to... Yeah, that and going to, you know, there's a lot of, especially for CFO, a lot of kind of, you know, CFO networking events yep, and things right, of that nature. Right. And as they're standing around at a cocktail hour hearing about you know, how somebody else's process is, right. yep. you know, 100% automated and their only deal, you know, their, you know, exception rate is less than 1% and he's sitting there sitting, or he or she's sitting there saying, well, geez, I know we're not, <laughs> we're not that good. Right. I better, I better figure out how to get better. So. Interesting. Uh, Interesting. Well, so, so, so good thing, good networking opportunities. Uh, and uh, I think you're right. Uh, the, the, the opportunity to share experiences is it the exception rates in the manual nature of the of the process that you think provides that motivation to go back and say why are, why why are we doing it this way I think that I think you know just kind of you know metrics too I mean I think you know knowing you know how many people you have involved in the the various steps in these processes as a as a in relation to you know how many invoices somebody's mm -hmm. processing on an on an annual basis and saying okay um, I have X number of people involved in some form or fashion, X number of FTEs involved in some form or fashion in this, you know, in this invoice process, this payables process. Uh, I know, you know, industry best standards are some other metric, and I know, you know, that I, again, going back to the competitor or, or, or um, peer metric that I heard, you know, knowing where you stand in terms of um, your metrics versus the metrics that others have, you know, is also a pretty quick barometer of, you know, how effective you're being. So, so it seems to me that the light at the end of the tunnel is actually, is actually good. It's not an oncoming train or it doesn't have to be. I mean, I guess it could be if you didn't pay attention and, uh, and want to, and want to, want to continue to live with the, with the horrible manual exception laden, uh, process status quo. But it seems like there are a lot of, a lot of efficiencies, um, that can be gained when one starts to think about digitizing the process before payments um, ever happens and therefore driving some of those efficiencies through the, through the process 
that includes making it. Yeah, and I think yeah, and I think no shortage of um, you know no shortage of information and no shortage of kind of case studies that you know really kind of put it you know front and center in front of folks and um, you know really make it a no brainer to to take action. Excellent. Well, listen, Matt. Thanks so much for your time and your insights. Always great to catch up. Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye.